0: What is it it's your future it's called a stargate chevron 7 Lock. welcome to walking through the stargate i'm brent and i'm zach this is episode 99 we'll be talking about stargate sg1's episode desperate measures this is desperate episode 99 measures. zach desperate measures this is a desperate time holy cow um, it is this, this podcast is independent friends uh you can help keep the thing independent by visiting our little patreon thing patreon.com slash walking through the stargate we got some little tiers with some benefits and we got some bonus stuff if you're in there uh good stuff uh but if you oh yeah where's the money going it's going going towards the show obviously we're we're offsetting the cost of computing devices and things we're keeping the keeping the thing rolling thank you so much to everybody who is supporting it means a lot to us and uh Uh, If you're not inclined or whatever, it doesn't matter. We don't care because we're still going to be doing the good stuff on our main feed. All the secret stuff that we put in the Patreon eventually makes it to the main feed anyway. So uh, uh, you're going to find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and on your favorite podcast, Aggregators. Do the ratey, reviewy, thumbs upy, clicky, I don't know. And... If, uh, if you uh, do a little thingy thing on uh, Apple Podcasts, if you uh, put a little review in there, uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we've been doing it fairly recently uh, to, to make a little dramatic recreation, and uh, yeah. wouldn't you know it, Zach? Yes, Brent? Pa- apparently, we got another one in here. We
1: do. Uh, this came uh-huh. in a couple weeks ago, and we uh, uh, had a chance to look it over, and this week, we get to share it with all of you. Um, without further ado, yeah. shall we do this? Yeah.
0: Yeah, let's get into it. Go for all it. All
1: right. So, this is from uh, called The Anti Garbo Review. Nice. Uh, Excellent. Which, which is a callback to uh, one of our first dramatic recreations <laughs> which was The Garbo Review. <laughs> Complete Garbo. <laughs> Complete Garbo. This is The Anti Garbo and this is from For yeah. All Cheese Holy.
0: That's a great username. Absolutely.
1: funny. (laughs) (laughs) Informative hosts provide excellent analysis of each episode. Uh, 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 They offer information about cast and crew. And Brett, Mm -hmm. he was also in, wait for it, Kung Fu, the legend continues! (laughs) And place each episode within the cultural milieu of its broadcast date. I have
0: no idea what this song is. Neither do I. Oh. And we're walking. So there you go. Uh, Thank you so much to For All Cheese Holy for dropping a review there. Uh, There's a little bit of a hiccup with, uh, if you're an international listener and you're on Apple's international page for podcasts, If you put in a review, we don't end up seeing it because apparently Apple thinks Apple thinks that U.S. reviewers should stay separate from everybody else, (laughs) which, you know, maybe isn't a bad idea. Um, But, Zach, if somebody leaves us a review there and we're not seeing it, they should grab a screenshot and they should send it to us. But but how? How might they do that, Zach?
1: Well, if you uh, are an international listener and you produce a review for us and you want us to read that review in this fun, dramatic way that we do, then you need to take that screenshot and email it to us at, walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Ooh. Ooh, wow. I was a little bit concerned there because I did not take a breath there. And I was like, will I be able to make oh, it through?
0: Wow. And I did. That's actually, that's actually I'm, not, I'm not kidding when I say that I'm actually impressed. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> that's like, not me being all like, wow. No, I was like, "Jeez." Maybe it's because I've tried it a few times and failed miserably yeah. that I'm, you know, it's a lot harder than it looks. It, sounds it, it's, it's challenging.
1: Whatever. Now, if mm-hmm. you want to help us out by reading our email address, you could do that and send your audio clip to walkingthroughstargate@gmail.com. Yes! at gmail.com. That's another That's fun way that you could true. happily enjoy uh, and join us in this little endeavor we have. You can uh-huh. also follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. Uh, apparently, there is an explosion on Twitter from certain cookies that were delivered to certain uh, folks uh, that someone's. they shared on the, the the so if you don't know what we're talking about then you need to yep. go to Twitter to go. find out and follow us at Stargate mm-hmm. Walking. Mm-hmm. You could also go to Facebook.com and find us on our Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page and Facebook group and there has mm-hmm. been lots of chatter about lots of different things happening. Uh, so nice. there you go. Right we also, that. Brent, have yes. a new website called WTTS.space So, uh, Brent got so excited, he started dropping things.
0: I'm back. Carry on.
1: Well, so now that you have gotten so excited and you dropped a whole bunch of stuff, (laughs) I invite you to tell me about our website.
0: I'm actually kind of excited to hear the audio of that because I might leave all of that in. I, I gesticulated with my arms and caught a cord and my phone went flying and my mic unplugged <laughs> and everything went wrong. Uh, what? So what am I doing? Am I telling you about the website? Is that what yeah, I'm doing? Yeah. yeah. Okay. WTTS.space. Uh, it's going to have things. And we're excited about the things that we're going to have on it. So um, we were mainly driving at the idea of we're like, I don't know, man, we've been doing this for like two and a bit years, almost two and a half. We probably should have a website. Shouldn't we? And we're like, yeah, I guess we probably should have a website. So we're just going to have some real low level, like, you know, hi, this is us. And this is what we're doing. And there you go. And here's all the links to our things. Like here's our, here's the Patreon and here's the Twitter and here's the Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the email so that you don't have to remember the email address. anymore. <laughs> 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 but, um, you know, who knows? As time goes on, we might decide that, you know, we would really want to do something fun or clever with it. And at least we'll have a platform on which to goof around and do something, um, you know, that isn't dependent on Facebook being Facebook or Twitter being Twitter, etc. So, WTTS.space.com has currently got nothing except... Wait, 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 wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. It's not WTTS.space.com.
0: Oh, my gosh. I did the HomestarRunner.net.com thing. Anyway, WTTS.space... There you go. You know, David warned us about this. He did. He did. He's like, but, you know, he's like, don't do that. And we're like, yeah, hey, we're going to do it.
1: But, you know, <laughs> th- this is what we do. We see a briar <laughs> patch we and we're like, ooh, let's jump into that one.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Anyway. All right. So that's, that's where you can go for that stuff. Uh, currently, it's got nothing but a people working sign on it, which I think is hilarious, especially because I couldn't. I, I didn't. I spent like three seconds trying to upload the animated GIF, and it was like, forget it. Like, it's not working. I don't care. Especially because I found that nice picture of the people working thing. Hey, whatever. I don't know.
1: If you had spent four seconds, you would have been able to find it.
0: I, I'm i confident I can figure this whole thing out. It's that, you know, blah, blah, regular life, blah, blah. And every time I think about the website, I'm like, oh, I'm too tired. So... um and yeah, that's, that's legit, we'll Brent,
1: because especially right now, uh, for me, at the end of 2020 in December right now, mm-hmm. holy smokes, my brain is like a frying egg on a pan, and it's not because I'm doing drugs. Uh, thank nope. you, old... Co- it's uh, just life. Tele- you know, just say no to drugs co- commercials from the 1980s. No, it's just life. So
0: this is your brain. This is your brain on life
1: yes it is frying
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and yeah. also of yes. course
1: you can find us on patreon.com slash walking through the stargate uh, where yep. you can uh, become a patron like many other people before you have. And uh, we've got several different tiers that give you lots of things like access to our uh, patrons only podcast right away uh, with mm-hmm. the voting um, and stuff like that. So yep. join us yep. there as well. Um, so it's good stuff, Brent. Yes, this is episode 99. I know. What comes know. after 99?
0: It's 100, 100! Zach!
1: 100! Yes, the time I can't believe has it. finally come. We have finally I know. It's here. reached it. it. It's here. It's right on the cusp. You can look out on the horizon and see it there. You can make out its details. It's there.
0: <laughs> it looks like a stick and a couple of donuts.
1: Well, you know, it's okay. That it works. In any case... <laughs>
0: it is upon us it's here yeah uh there
1: is still time although the time is running short for very short you to turn in your 100th uh episode audio caps captions whatever it is that you do yeah uh we have we have like 14 or 15 brands. you're kidding me <laughs> i'm not we do, we got a ton right now oh that's you know? great so if you want to be part of that Uh, now is the time to do that. We are planning to record that next Saturday, the Saturday after Christmas, the 26th. Yep. So, uh, you do need to get those in before Christmas Eve if you want that to be part of that podcast. That's
0: kind of it. Like, cause you know, we also have to take a minute to like go through them and make sure it's not just a fog horn.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I have listened to darn close to all Oh, good. Um... And they're all wonderful. Awesome. Um, and so, no we'll have to figure out, Brent, how we, uh, you know, even the foghorn one was really cool. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There hasn't been a foghorn one yet. Although, there you go. If you can find a oh foghorn, that's
0: really cool. Oh, there you go. Oh no! What have I done? Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and then we'll figure out. You Briar, know, like Patch. Briar, Patch. Briar, Briar Patch. Briar Patch. We'll just run right into it. Um, you know, the long and the short of it yep. is that we will, uh, you know, like I said, we'll integrate it into it. Probably we'll do that. We'll do it. I imagine we're going to do it after our thoughts of episode one hundred, maybe even after our um chevron rating, depending. Yeah, probably after the chevron rating, right? And then we'll uh so, we'll listen to it and uh you know and then uh, loop them in, and so that y'all can listen to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So one of the things Brent, I was thinking about is. Consider you know listening to them and perhaps sticking them in in different places in the podcast, oh. uh, depending on what they are, okay. you know, and uh, kind of breaking things up a little bit there. Sure. Um, I don't know. We can talk more about that. We haven't had a chance to talk about no. that, so you get to listen to our creative this process is it.
0: right here. Right this is now. how this is how the this is how the bread gets made. That's not how it goes. Sausage. It's sauce. This is how the sauce Oh my gosh! I need more coffee. The,
1: uh, <sighs> okay. Yeah. So in any case. Yes, uh, that's the hundredth episode that's coming up next week. Yes, get your stuff in to us, please. Uh, yeah, thank you very Super much, excited. everyone who has already turned in a, a an audio review. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So now, despite as exciting as one hundred is, we are still yep. on ninety nine.
0: Yeah, so we have yep. to
1: move through ninety nine first.
0: Yes. Okay. Which means
1: we start with the director and the teleplay.
0: Yes, that's what we do. Are you ready? Let's get into that's it. That's
1: what we do. Okay. So the director for Desperate Measures is William Garrity. We've seen his name earlier this season with Between Two Fires. And he's done some other episodes in the past as well. And he's got Mm -hmm. some more coming up in the future. Uh, The teleplay is by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mulley. This is their third teleplay of seven this season. They did The Fifth Man and they did The Tomb. And they did have their fingers in a couple of others, like as part of story credits, um, and they'll have a maybe they'll have I can't remember. I have to look, but uh, they've got mm-hmm. more stuff coming and, and <laughs> lots of stuff. So, gotcha. There you go. Uh, we have several guest actors that need to be addressed for this episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, are you ready? Let's get we into start
1: it. Start off with John Delancey, who plays Colonel yes. Frank Simmons, uh-huh. and Tom McBeath, who plays former Colonel Harry Mayborn. Uh, yep. Uh, they are returning, and you know. So I am curious, Brent. Yes. Now that you have seen uh, some of the growth of Harry Mayborn, yeah. What are you thinking about that character?
0: <laughs> I really like the character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think that I was thinking as I was sitting there watching it. I'm like, you know what? I th- I kind of like the beard and mustache action go. Like, like this is uh, yeah. This is a Maborn yeah. that I can, that uh, I'm like, all right. Also, I'm really glad to see that his computer skills have increased since last time we saw him.
1: Well, at, at the very least, his computer skills have been uh, discreetly hidden by camera angles.
0: That, <laughs> hey, I was allowed to fill in the imagination. <laughs> it's like the J.J. Abrams approach. I was able to see him decipher the password in a way that wasn't just mashing keys. <laughs> <laughs> rolling his face on the keyboard and hitting enter. Nope, didn't work. Roll, 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 roll enter. Nope, didn't work. <laughs> oh, yeah. So,
1: in any case, we say yes. welcome to John Delancey and Tom McBeath. there. We yep. also say hello to Bill Marchant, who plays Adrian Conrad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a writer, an actor, a director, a producer, and an educator. He is best known for his roles in Stargate SG-1 and in Da Vinci's Inquest. Um, In addition to his work as an actor, he's directed several films, including his award winning debut feature, Everyone, from 2004. Ah, nice. Um, It's won several awards, uh, including the prestigious Zenith uh, Award at the uh, Montreal World Film Festival and Uh the Amex Award for Best Film at the Vancouver International Film Festival. So,
0: good on you. Nice.
1: Uh, he's also done uh, pl- writing plays. He's also a playwright, which is include award- mm. award-winning play, the award-winning play Ashes mm-hmm. that was produced by iHeart Productions. Mm-hmm. Um, other plays he's written are Gift of Screws and Clown Elections.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> nice. <right>. So, um, <laughs> Clown Elections. Yeah. <he, laughs>
1: Well, you know, well, you know, the clowns need to get together and elect who they're going to allow into the rank of clowns.
0: Oh, I see. Is that how it's done?
1: Well, either that or it's a play on the political election system in our country. No, I'm going go like to go with that elect clowns.
0: that it's that clown elections are are how the order of clowns into a clown car, clown car is determined. They hold elections. Ooh. Yes.
1: Yeah, you know, so actually I talked to a clown uh, about that. And there is no magic thing. They literally just pile themselves in there. And whoever can hold their breath longest is the one who's at the bottom.
0: Wow. Interesting. You see, you see, friends, this is why you listen to this podcast for informative pieces of information like how clowns. Are able to squish yes. inside a small vehicle. Short answer yeah. is that they just do it.
1: <laughs> there is no trick. It's just that they sardine themselves. It's and just the ones that they're on committed. The have to just be. Yeah.
0: They are committed to the, wow. to the laugh. So in they go. Nice. So. Interesting.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Um, Marchant, uh, back to Marchant, uh, he has been the head of the Department of Acting. Uh, at Vancouver Film School for over 12 years. I don't know when this was written, so I don't know when that 12 years is, but, you mm. know, for a long time. He's been there um, for a while. He's, al- he's also recorded two music albums. Uh, really? With Nashville-based singer-songwriter Michael Chase. Huh. This guy's, so he has his artistic fingers yeah. in just about everything. Uh-huh. Um, his first IMDb credit came in 1997 when he played Ray Walker in the TV movie Dead Man's Gun, as well as one episode of the TV series Dead Man's Gun. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Uh, This is a series and a movie about a cursed revolver that brings violence and death and dismemberment to its owners. So there (laughs) you have it.
0: This is a story about a gun that brings violence, which I get it. If a gun is just sitting there and it never does anything like there you go. But as far as tools that are created for purposes are concerned, like what else would the revolver do? bring holiday oh, presents like yeah this is cursed <laughs> oh, I it, want a blessed it, it, revolver I want one that that when I bring it, it it like it I walk into like a tense situation and all of a sudden there's just goodness and light happening and people just start like Ooh. hugging and being like I'm so sorry I misunderstood what you were saying I now see your point of view and they buy each other a drink
1: i proof yes
0: 100% anyway all right <laughs> all
1: right. So we, 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 we got to keep going here, Brandon. Yeah, I know. So, so we have Carrie Genzel. Uh-huh. She plays Diana Mendez. Mm-hmm. She's from Vancouver. She has collaborated with lots of different directors, including Cameron Crowe, mm. Terry Gilliam, mm. Zack Snyder, mm. John Avnet, and mm. Karen no, no, no. Uh She's acted in dramatic features as well as sitcoms, so she's mm. all over the place. She's produced several projects. Um, both scripted and n- unscripted TV pro- projects. So mm-hmm. she's all over the place there, as well as feature films. Um, her first credit came on, and I her first credit on IMDb came in 1995 mm-hmm. when she played a nurse in several episodes of the uh, soap opera The Bold and the Beautiful. Mm. As well, that same year she also played the character of Paris. In the TV movie, Virtual Seduction.
0: Okay. And
1: after listening 95. to that name, I couldn't, I <laughs> could not hit the button to find out what that was. I, just, uh, I couldn't put my, pull myself to do that. I,
0: so. I'm sure it was, TV movie, thing number one, 1995, thing number two, Virtual Seduction. I bet you it's complete garbo. I bet you that's garbo.
1: Well, you're probably right. <laughs> but I didn't look at it. So, that was in go. 95. So. All right, we have, now normally when I do, um, you know, when I talk about the actors, if a character has a, a, a name as Doctor Number 1 or Doctor Number 2, I bypass that. Because, it, you know, if they don't actually have a name, then yeah. they're probably sufficiently small that we don't need to worry about it. Yes. And so I skipped Andrew Johnston and Ted Cole until I watched the episode and I realized, oh, those are actually big parts. They, they are never big a name, parts. But those are big parts. Huh. Okay, so Andrew Johnston plays Doctor Number One. So this is the bald doctor.
0: Uh, right? Okay, yep. he
1: is an actor known for duets in 2000, Agent Cody Banks in 2003, and Upside Down in 2012. Mm-hmm. He has made guest appearances on all three of those longest-running North American science fiction series: X-Files, Stargate, and Smallville. Yep. Although even those have changed a little it bit. Does change around? Um, yep, that's right. That's okay. His first credit on IMDb was in 1986 in the TV movie One Police Plaza, where he played the character James Kelly.
0: There you go. Good old James Kelly.
1: James Kelly. Um, and then we have Ted Cole, who plays Doctor Number 2. Um, he is an inductee into the Vancouver Theater Sports League, uh, cool. he has over two decades of theatrical experience. Um mm. he's worked in such diverse companies as the Arts Club Theater, the Vancouver Playhouse, uh and Pink Ink Theater. Um most of what he's done and uh is English dub Japanese animation. Mm. He's done a ton of that stuff. Gotcha. Um mm-hmm. you know, just I was looking through his his uh IMDB filmography and like everything um is, is there. He's just got all sorts of voice uh, animated credits. Mm-hmm. His first IMDb credit came in 1979 when he was only eight years old. Uh-huh. When he voiced Joaquin or Joaquin um, in the English version of Mobile Suit Gundam. Hey, okay, nice. So in 1979, he started that and basically never stopped.
0: There you go
1: okay so then two and decades we have,
0: he two decades worth of experience if he started when he was eight yeah still a young guy anyway yeah I mean this is forever yep. whatever yes yep. yeah
1: okay and then finally we have Frank C. Turner mm-hmm. who plays the homeless man mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I usually pull these some information about these characters from um, IMDB and I get their their you know biography such as it is from IMDB I don't use a lot of do a lot of extra searching But as I was looking at this, I realized that that, uh, Frank C. Turner wrote his own mini-biography on IMDb, and so I feel it only appropriate to read the whole thing.
0: Okay, all right, here we go. So we're
1: going to read Frank's biography of himself. Okay. Frank C. Turner is an actor and an iconographer born in Wainwright, Alberta, and now living in Port Coquitlam. British Columbia, uh, for all of those who live in the North, and I just butchered that, and I'm sorry about that, but anyway, you get the idea. (laughs) Continuing. Continuing. He received his theatrical training at the University of Alberta, graduating in 1975 with a BFA. For the first years after graduation, he acted in theaters across Western Canada and Ontario. In 1983, he moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, and has worked mainly in film since then. His favorite credits include Airbud in 1997, Airbud Golden Retriever in 1998, Airbud 3 in 2000, Airbud Seventh Inning Fetch in 2002. <laughs> the New Adams Family, Adams Family Feud in 1999, Lonesome Dove, The Outlaw Years in 1995, Cats and Dogs in 2001, Snow Dogs in 2002, and The Duke in 1999. Okay, Frank has previously performed with the GKC-GBS debate in Calgary, St. Paul, Minnesota, and on Apostle of Common Sense with EWTN. Mm -hmm. In 1991, he began studying iconography under Vladislav Andreev. Mm -hmm. He has completed about 50 icons in the Byzantine tradition for individuals and churches in the Vancouver area a Ooh. frequent attendee of the Mount Angel Iconography Institute where he studied with Charles Werbacher, Mary Katsalamitis and Kathy Severs. More recently, he studied with Father uh, Gianluca Busi from Bologna, mm-hmm. spending 6 weeks there in 2007. He gives private instruction in iconography oh. along with Chris Kilzinski and Michael Janik. Frank was a founding member of Epiphany Sacred Arts Guild and has served as its president for four years. Hmm. He also served on the curriculum advisory board of Living Waters College, soon to be opened in Derwent, Alberta.
0: There you go.
1: Yeah. His first IMDB credit occurred in 1980 when he played the voice of Ralph the Parrot. In Harriet's Magic Hats.
0: Well, he didn't include Harriet's Magic Hats in his favorite credits. Must not have been a favorite.
1: I, that's true.
0: That's smart like that.
1: I looked in his... With, with all the things that he's done, I figured, surely this man has done Kung Fu Legend Continues. Oh, Surely right. he's done one episode of that. And I looked and I looked and the answer is, no, he hasn't. <gasps> no. However, oh. he was in an episode in 1987 of... Airwolf. Hey! Which is another one of those weird little
0: shows that is has yeah, a weird connection. Yeah, it keeps like having this weird so, connection with Stargate, yeah.
1: Yep. And of course he was in several episodes of MacGyver which also apparently did not make his top...
0: Wait uh, a minute! Thank <laughs> you. So he's had several moments to work with Richard Dean Anderson and again here, oh funny. Uh, well there you yeah. go.
1: Alright. So the original air date for Desperate Measures is September 7, 2001. Yep. yep. Now, I, I doing... have a, an asterisk that I got to put here, Brent. Um, yeah. The episode date for episode 100 mm-hmm. is September 8, one day later. Oh. Um, and I'm huh. sure that this was because they were doing some sort of thing with the special 100th episode and just kind of making it fun and, and all of that stuff. But given that there's just one day between these – um, yeah. Uh, I figured that we would talk about this period of time in this episode, and we'll dispense with that in next week's episode because we'll have lots of other things to worry about. And uh,
0: talk about yeah, now. yeah. Which I think I know where you're going with this one.
1: <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> yeah. Number one on the charts in the U.S. Yes. was I'm Real by Jennifer Lopez featuring. Rule.
0: Okay. But, All right. I don't remember that one, but that's playing. Okay. I don't know that one. Thanks, Jennifer Lopez. And
1: in the UK, they were listening to Too Close by Blue. I Apparently, also don't know that one. purple.
0: Oh. It was purple because it was too close to blue. Uh, yeah, but that's kind of more like a rushing away thing. right? So, or no, I uh, not. Yeah, rushing, but I don't see rushing colors blue. very Never mind. well, so just, Never mind. just You're right. oh, good. Too close. Nope, nope, nope. You know. Yep, you're good. All
1: right. So... As no, we listen to nice. Too Close um, by anyway. Blue, um, yeah. and, I, you know, we have a box office this weekend. Yes, we do. The, the Musketeer was number one. And, you know, the Musketeer is about the three Musketeers. Only the, the fourth half have Musketeer is actually what it's about, I think. Oh, um, In which case... <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it's just the one But but he's just too close To the other ones And he's not quite there But then he gets there So anyway Two can play that game Is number two. Oh boy Jeepers <laughs> creepers This is getting really really bad Yes All it of is All this is because They're not rock stars But they should be a rock star That's number four And you know Getting back to that musketeer He is one of the others
0: Oh but, Oh Terribly good Terrible Well done
1: I appreciate that Thank you Yeah Thank you. Oof. All right. Oh, yeah. So, what happened at around this date in 2001?
0: Oh, boy. <laughs>
1: well, we'll start with some, some easier things. Okay. On September 5, a couple, of episode, couple of days before this episode, John Cage's musical composition, As Slow As Possible, begins at St. Bertardi Church in Halberstadt, Germany. I
0: know Germany. about this one, Yeah.
1: This musical composition is set to last 639 years.
0: Yeah. I think that... So, both um, of you... Go the, ahead. The, the, the musical piece is known. I think it's, like, published. And uh, when the chord changes are going to happen is, like, a thing that can be ske- is scheduled. And so, people <laughs> People come. When the chord is about to change or the note is about to change and it yeah. happens and they're like, well, okay, and then they leave <laughs> and, then, so and then they set the calendars you... for the next one and they come back. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, the, the, the performers
1: do that. Um, you know, so John Cage is a minimalist, was a minimalist composer. Um, uh, Julia's over there shaking his head, shaking her head. Cause this is just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> It's a stunt. Uh, It's a
0: stunt. It it is. It
1: is a stunt. Anyway, let's move on. Yes. On September 7th, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission approves Chevron's bid to buy Texaco.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Okay.
1: So we've got oil companies buying oil companies. On September 8th, Kylie Minogue releases her single, I Just Can't Get You Out of My Head, which is the biggest of her career. Oh. Congratulations, Kylie. Also, on september eighth the u s open women 's tennis tournament uh, finals uh, occurs, and Venus Williams successfully defends her title, beating her younger sister serena six two and six four
0: yeah gotcha. also Boy, uh, regarding the
1: u s opens tennis tournament on the ninth, the men 's final begins, and Leighton Hewitt of Australia becomes the youngest world number one player, he was 20 years old, when he beats Pete Sampras 7-6, 6-1, 6-1. There you go. Yeah. Now, also on the 9th, Ahmad Shah Massoud, an Afghan political and military leader of the Northern Alliance, is assassinated in Afghanistan at the age of 48.
0: Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Also on the 9th, Band of Brothers uh... The, the, the miniseries Band of Brothers based on the book st- by Stephen E. Ambrose uh, created by Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks premieres. It was the most expensive miniseries ever made up to that point. Mhm. Gotcha. And now we get to the dark spot here and uh, uh, we have yep. September eleven. Mm-hmm. On September 11, we have two passenger planes that were hijacked by al-Qaeda terrorists, and they crash into New York's World Trade Towers, causing the collapse of both of them and the deaths of 2,606 people. Also, mm-hmm. as part of that whole process, terrorists hijack a passenger plane and crash it into the Pentagon, causing the deaths of 125 people. Mm-hmm. And there was yet a third... Uh, Area well, fourth plane. An attempt by on the by the passengers of crew United Airlines Flight 93 to retake control of that hijacked plane. Uh, they were sort of successful at it, uh, causing it to crash in a field in Pennsylvania, killing all 64 people on board. Mm-hmm. So I remember this day mm-hmm. very clearly. Uh, I think I was. Not quite awake yet. And Julie came in. Um, uh, Julie walked in and, and said, you have to look at this. And so I come out and I look at the TV and I see uh, news f- footage of this. And um, I, I see one of the, the, the buildings is flaming. And then I watch live as the second flame or second plane hits the second tower.
0: Wow oof
1: um which and then uh I don't remember exactly how long it takes but I also remember watching it uh live as the steel girders begin to buckle mm. and the whole thing begins to collapse
0: yeah yep yeah. um, no I was I I had uh i had woken up to get to classes I was I was uh in my senior year of college And on the radio, they were talking about how there were these reports of a plane that hit the World Trade Center. And I was reminded of that case in 19, I think, 45 or something of a a propeller plane, a passenger plane that hit the Empire State Building. I think it was in 45 or it was in the 40s, you know, dense fog and it just ran into it. And um, so I was like, I didn't know it was a passenger jet. And I was like, oh, wow, man, that's terrible. And that was that. And then I go to classes, I get there and... Uh, somehow between, I can't remember, whatever I I arrived after, I think the first tower had collapsed. Um, I didn't see either of them, uh, uh, live and, um, you know, it was just a state of being stunned. I remember, I remember the stunned feeling. I remember the rooms that we were in. I remember meeting up with my sister shortly thereafter, you know, like there's all sorts of things. I remember how beautiful of a day it was, at least where I was, um, yeah. You know, I remember the weird the eerie aspect of then like no planes in the sky for quite a while.
1: Yeah. It was um and anybody yeah. who remembers yeah. that event um <clears throat> is affected by it. well everybody's been affected by it, but it's Yeah, one of, but it yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's our Pearl Harbor. Um, it's it's the yeah. thing that we will never it's, you it's, you, will, you know, or the Kennedy assassination. We will always remember where yep. we were when that was happening, yeah.
1: Yep. Um on September 12, Article 5 of the NATO agreement is invoked, is invoked for the first and only time in response to the September 11 attacks against the U.S.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I didn't look closely to see what Article 5 was. I can't remember anymore. I
0: think it's basically we called our allies. like
1: Yeah, and we said, so like, we're, we're going to war and you're coming with us or something to that effect. Yep. Or we're something taking action effect. and you're mm-hmm. taking action with us. Yep. On September 13... Uh, two days later, civilian aircraft travel finally resumes in the U.S. after the attacks. So, mm-hmm. for 48 hours, we had nothing in the sky, which is, well, it's the only time that's ever happened in my lifetime. Yep. Um, yep. Also, on the 13th, there is a finally a relative calm returns um to the world oil markets as the us retail gas prices returned to normal levels they were bouncing all over the place there mm-hmm. was a uh deep concern that the the prices in fact there were some areas that uh, gas stations started gouging the prices oh, um yeah and and now fortunately if i recall correctly the the governments of our states and national uh, federal governments did uh Um, put a pretty strong kibosh on that. It's like, you do that, and we're going to come hit you with a hard hammer. Um, Mm -hmm. So that didn't last very long. Um, On the 14th, there was a national national prayer service held at Washington National Cathedral for the victims of the September 11th attacks. There was Mm -hmm. also a similar service held in Canada on Parliament Hill, which was the largest visual ever ever held in the nation's capital there in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, on September 18, um, we have something happening that's not related to September 11th, the first mailing of anthrax letters from Trenton, New Jersey. Oh, gosh, yeah. So the anthrax attacks of 2001 was happening at the same time. hmm And then finally, on September 20th, this is the final for this in here, um, in an address to a joint session of Congress and to the American people, U.S. President George W. Bush declares a war on terror mm-hmm. uh which subsequently leads to uh, a war in afghanistan mm-hmm. which is still in effect to this day the mm-hmm. longest u.s conflict in history um, um yeah i mean in in fact right now in you know we have a withdrawal of a significant number of troops leaving only i think the number is like 2,500 or so troops mm-hmm. left in afghanistan um all of that is directly connected to this. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, we've got there.
0: Uh, we've <laughs> got young men and women that are serving in there that were not born when this happened.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. Um. <sighs> so we have some trivia. Mm-hmm. The first little bit of trivia that I want to bring in is uh, Samantha Carter is seen driving a silver Volvo P1800. Mm -hmm. This is the same vehicle, same type of vehicle, um, that uh, um, Roger Moore drove in the series The Saint from the 1960s. Okay. Uh, Roger Moore played Simon Templar in that series.
0: But so, we've also saw, we saw that Volvo P, oh, actually, we also saw that same car in Creepy Alien, uh, whatever, I can't remember the name of that episode. Um, Ascension. Ascension. Uh, I think she and might have had a re-
1: different car in that one.
0: I thought it was the, s- okay, maybe. I thought it was the same. However, um, it's possible. I was, I was pleased to see her like, like, like take some dudes. Cause remember I was like, I was sitting there like the most unbelievable part of Ascension was that she didn't just clock that creepy alien dude. Right. Cause she's <laughs> freaking Samantha Carter. Well, yeah. you know, I got to see her clock a bad guy this time. That was, that was good.
1: Yeah. There you go. Um, also, uh, O'Neill refers to Mayborn as G Gordon. Yes. Um, when they're there. And of course that's a reference to G Gordon Liddy, who was convicted yeah. of conspiracy burglary wiretapping and all that stuff as part of Watergate. Yep. Um, so, I was laughing uh, also, and I was wondering
0: how many people got that, but whatever. Yes. G. Gordon.
1: <laughs> um, so when O'Neill is talking to the homeless man, he says, I'm just a cynical old Air Force guy with a closet full of National Geographics." Yeah. Well, originally that was supposed to be a closet full of Playboys, but uh, oh. <laughs> it was, they decided to change that. Okay. <laughs> uh, at the request of the network. Uh, okay. so <laughs> um, Mlatsy says this. Another thing was a slight dialogue change in O'Neill's scene with the homeless man. In the original version, O'Neill says, yeah, and I've got a closet full of Playboys. But after some consideration, a.k.a. getting a note requesting we change it, we elected to go with National Geographic, which, uh, <laughs> while less Jack O'Neill, was certainly more Richard Dean Anderson. Also... Uh, the original draft of the script had a couple of very funny exchanges between the doctors who performed the procedure, uh, but after further consideration, a.k.a. we received a note that O'Neill provided more than enough comedy for the episode, and we didn't need the guest stars delivering any as well, we decided to lose those
0: spots. Ah. <laughs> Uh, Part of me kind of wants to see the the deleted scenes from that, but yeah, gotcha.
1: Yeah. All right. So this episode, in French, they call it the last resort. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The Hungarians call it desperate measures. The Italians call it desperate decision. Spanish, Mm -hmm. desperate measures. The Czech, desperate solution.
0: And the Germans, desperate measure. Oh, okay, all right. Okay. Okay. All right. We're getting yeah, back yeah. to Yeah, we're getting back to a consistency back here. To glad glad for yep. that. I'm yep. glad it wasn't Simmons did it. <laughs> 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 yeah. It wasn't Mayborn. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't Mayborn. <laughs> nice. Excellent. All right.
1: Shall we dig into the synopsis at uh, near? Well, yeah. All
0: right. Here we yeah, go. It's been a while. Yep. We'll be the enough. people will be using the bookmarks in this one. Yep. Okay. Let's get into it.
1: Yep. Ooh, a Russian blockade. Oh, yeah. Smoking. Uh, remember, kids, smoking is bad. Don't do yes. it. No. Don't do it. There's arguing. Oh, look, mm-hmm. that guy shot that other guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. Oh dear, lots of people are being shot. Uh oh, yep. yep. who's in that truck? It's a captured Jaffa! Ah!
0: Bum, bum, bum. Yeah,
1: yeah. Major Carter is out and about doing what normal people do. Probably, uh, but oh as she puts her packages into the trunk of her car, suddenly a white van filled with ninjas pulls up beside her. The ninjas pour out of the van, kind of like clowns from a clown car and attack her. Mm-hmm. Carter valiantly attempts to fight them off, but there are too many. She is captured and thrown into the van. It drives off as a homeless man stands watching in disbelief. Ninjas. Ninjas. Roughly 48 hours later, SGC personnel, and personnel discover that Sam is in fact missing. Authorities are looking for her, but they haven't found anything. Jack asks the general if he can still look for her because, you know, the shepherds all go nuts at the obvious love he has for her. I mean, I mean, a member of his team. You know, I mean, he he totally do the same thing for Jackson or for Teal or anybody. It's not just that it's Carter who's missing. Uh, sorry, uh, O'Neill talks with a homeless man offering him a crate of old National Geographic magazines in exchange for information about Carter, Carter, ninjas. The whole country is crawling with ninjas, and no one is doing anything about it. Okay. O'Neill suspects the NID and so contacts an old friend, Harry Mayborn, Starsky and Hutch and such. They meet up and Mayborn suggests that they look into user 4574 to get more information. Jackson recognizes 4574 as referring to none other than Colonel Frank Simmons of the NID and Pentagon. O'Neill travels to Washington, D.C. to visit the Pentagon. Unsurprisingly, Simmons denies involvement in Carter's kidnapping and points his finger at O'Neill's informant, Why don't you ask Mayborn how and where he received $3 million from a numbered offshore account? And when you do, you just might find where Carter has been taken. Now, that numbered offshore account was owned by Zetatron Industries, run by a businessman named Adrian Conrad. And Conrad has not been seen in public for more than six months. O'Neill meets up with Mayborn again and learns that the Russians had captured Jaffa while their gate was still operational. And that Jaffaz symbiote has now reached maturity, and Mayborn arranged to get that symbiote out of the hands of the Russians and into the hands of a doctor in the U.S. Mayborn doesn't know why the symbiote was needed, but he does have the name of who it was delivered to, an immunologist named Dr. Neil Brooks. And so, breaking into the doctor's office, the two do some digging and are able to retrieve Conrad's medical records. Conrad has Barchant Syndrome. This disease attacks the immune system and has no known cure, except perhaps for the healing powers of a Guawuld symbiote. The pieces are falling into place. Conrad was planning to implant the Guawuld into himself to heal his disease, and he needed Carter because of her experiences with Jolinar hold the key to a safe extraction process of the Guawuld after the healing. They also discover that Conrad is staying at an abandoned hospital in Seattle, St. Christina's. SG-1 and the local SWAT team surround the building and prepare to storm the castle. Uh, I mean, hospital. <laughs> have fun storming the castle! You think it'd work? It'd take a miracle. It'd take a miracle. Bye-bye! <laughs> All right, sorry. Conrad's condition is getting worse. If he is going to survive, he they have no choice but to implant the guawuld, despite not having the understanding to safely remove it. Now, Conrad's executive assistant, uh, close personal friend, lover, girlfriend, we are not really sure what their relationship is. Her name is Diana Mendez, and she tells the doctors to do whatever they have to do to get the information needed out of Carter, i.e. kill her and study her brain. It's all cool. Do it. The doctors are just about to inject Carter with something to knock her out. When the cavalry arrive, O'Neal and Mayborn bust a move. I, I mean, I mean, they bust the door. They bust open the door and <laughs> save the day. Carter is obviously relieved. Mayborn stays behind and guards the doctors while O'Neal and Carter head off in search of Conrad. Conrad, that is to say the guawold inside of Conrad, sweet talks Mendez. He's fine. He's totally fine. I'm controlling it. It's not controlling me. I just need some fresh air. It's been so long. Just just hold my hand. We can finally be together. Oh look at that. Mendez releases the guawuld, who leaves her dead on the floor and escapes into the basement level of the old hospital. Shocker.
0: Dumb Yep.
1: SG one scours the building looking for the guawuld. O'Neill finds him threatening to shoot him. The old warns that shooting him will kill the host, but O'Neill doesn't really care about that at the moment because, you know, that guy stole his friend. Suddenly, a pair of gunshots ring out, and O'Neill falls flat on his face on the ground. And out of the shadowy steam steps none other than Colonel Frank Simmons. Frank Come with me Simmons. if you want to live. Shit! <laughs> Daniel and Teal find the room with the two doctors. <laughs> Mayborn was supposed to be guarding, but Mayborn is nowhere to be seen. Carter finds O'Neill and calls in for a medic. Fortunately, the colonel will be all right because the bulletproof vest stopped at least one of the bullets and the other one went into his arm. Next time, O'Neill wants sleeves on his bulletproof vests. They definitely, definitely need sleeves.
0: Bulletproof. Back sweaters. at the
1: SGC... Ooh, bulletproof sweaters.
0: There you go. Ooh. Next holiday craze. Up.
1: There you go. Back at the SGC, O'Neill is recovering and assumes that somehow Mayborn escaped and shot him and got the Guawuld. Both are still at large. The Earth has a problem on its hands. At the NID facility, Simmons begins negotiating with the Guawuld, promising something, quote, of great value, close quotes, in exchange for information.
0: The end. Mm-hmm. The end. So, Brent. Yeah.
1: Desperate measures. Mm-hmm. What did you think?
0: So, I thought this one was all right. I thought that the intrigue was fun. I liked seeing Mayborn. I definitely was liking the... The um, odd couple aspect, the odd Starsky and Hutch element of O'Neill and Mayborn working together. You know, we make a great team. Um, <laughs> it was good. I liked that. And the story itself was fine. And the story ended pretty well. Um, I was realizing about halfway through that the, that the pacing seemed to suddenly get off a little bit. And it really hit that mm. weird zenith of weird pacing with the, I think, maybe 60 seconds, maybe even 90 seconds of screen time, no dialogue shots of the SG-1 team searching the hospital. Like, we ended up yes. with 15 seconds or more of each of our heroes going through a different spot in the hospital. And we even returned to a couple of them in different spots. And I, as I was watching that, I was like, really? Do we Do we not have any... Do we not have any more story to tell? <laughs> like that we're going to be spending our as time watching fact, people move Brent, around.
1: Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, um, the, the show was running short. Uh, and so they needed to add a little bit more and pad that area yeah. um, to and get I, up to their appropriate time. So, yes, and I suspect what's happening there.
0: I, I suspect I know why it was running short because if they had to drop a couple scenes where the doctors are being yuck yucks as a quick example, Um, you know, maybe there was something else that they needed to sort of trim up a bit, but you know what I'm getting at? It's like, you know, I bet you that as written, it was going to be fine. And then they made some adjustments in which they couldn't cover or they couldn't take care of in writing, like it was too late or whatever. And so they had to do that. But, but, um, but I noticed it. Right. And then the pacing picked back up again towards the end and did fine. And it ended relatively strong. Um, but, um, yeah, so I think the delivery of this story was a bit weaker. Um, I was still very much enjoying kind of watching how the cinematographers were were playing around with those with those close ups. I mean, like they're 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 really enjoying using a close uh, close framing of their subjects right now mm-hmm. in these past several episodes, and, and it's working out great. It's I mean I think I like it. And the lighting is good, of course, and the acting is great, et cetera. I mean, like, it's, 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 there's a whole lot of the, of the now standard stuff that I'm just enjoying watching. And the, 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 the total story was interesting and plausible and, uh, ratchets up the, uh, the tension within the grand story. The, the, uh, you know, of course, resolving in a moment where, Colonel Simmons and the NID have a gold, uh in their possession by which to extract information. And we don't like the NID, even though uh, even though Simmons did a pretty OK job kind of basically saying, like, look, there's a reasonable explanation as to why you hated the NID vis-a-vis that guy who's currently a criminal and on the run. And you might not like us, but we're not bad. Um, and you know, you get to the end of it and no, no, he's, he's, he's bad.
1: (laughs) bad.
0: (laughs) He he shot, he shot Colonel O'Neill in the back. (laughs) He's bad. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm no longer on the, I'm no longer on team Simmons. Um, you know, that, that brief respite where I was like, I'm not so sure I disagree with them. Uh, is is now done. That was a nice little. That was a nice little. It uh, uh, was a nice little jaunt down the road of ethics. But here we are back to uh, no, no. They're 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 skis balls and they're they're they're. they're <laughs> that's that's no good. Uh, and now they have a gold. And so uh, not only is there now one thing that I was kind of thinking about, and I have been thinking about this uh, for quite a while, but it never really okay. mattered to bring up. Um, there are a ton of gold and what do i mean by that there's a ton of jaffa and presumably each one of them has a ghoul symbiote inside them so yeah that then means that there are a ton of gold and the the ones we only really care about are the ones that hit uh you know uh like chieftain level status right like uh, right. the, the the ones that hit the zenith of their little their their little their little group's um, power uh, become these named gods that we enjoy kind of tying into Earth's mythology as a sort of a parallel story of what was really going on with those ancient myths of ours. And It's great fun and I've enjoyed quite a lot of it. But like here we he, I think here we go. here is here's a ghoould. Who's currently nameless, and was in a Jaffa, and I mean, how's this gonna? How's this gonna play, right? Oh, side note, and of course we got a billion of them. You know, we got we got all the 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 um oh shoot Tolinar who's our who's our friends who the tol, tol not the Tolin the, the Tokra Tokra thank you um uh, Jolinar that's why I got mixed up yeah so the Tokra you know there's there's yeah. dozens and dozens of them you know it's obvious that there are there's a multitude of of symbiotic creatures running around inside human suits. Um, But I have kind of found it a little interesting, peculiar that we haven't really discussed what is presumably this vicious, um, you know, snake eating its own tail uh, problem within Gwulwud society of of ambition and uh, uh, intrigue and backstabbing and climbing to the top. And, you know, it's manifested in these just brutal ways that these uh, ancient named uh, ghouls have been able to stay on top of the dog pile. Um, and I have no idea if we're going to get any insights into that with this new ghoul or this character. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if that's even a possibility within the framework, but
1: so I will say this Brent, yeah. <clears throat> that your some of your questions that you are posing now will be explicitly addressed. Oh, in future nice. episodes.
0: Okay. All right. Okay. Well, then I just wanted to let you know I've been thinking about that. So.
1: Yeah. So well, there you go.
0: So here's an opportunity that may present itself as a way, but whatever. Here we got this no name ghoul, and there you go. Um, how Carter got captured? Why? Oh, you know, this is all good stuff. One thing. Um. So I suppose. Well, yeah. Okay. So we got our Elon Musk character, who apparently had the ability to purchase all of this information, Um, which immediately made me say to myself, "How much more public is the Stargate program and everything about it than what we had been led to believe up until that point?" Um, Acknowledging the notion that the episode, all the episode said was this extraordinarily rich connected person was able to get a hold of all of this information, but his two personal doctors also had full knowledge. Um, his personal right. assistant had full knowledge, uh, which, you know, one could make a plausible argument that they were the only four outside of the SGC and the Russian command. And you know what I mean? Like outside of those apparatuses, apparati, whatever, uh, that it's only these four and nobody else in the world. But it did make me think to myself, okay, they know near as makes no difference. Everything there is to know, certainly as it relates to the biological relationship between a, a symbiote and a human host. Um, and they were able to, but just between the two of them, presumably advance the theory of what it would take to successfully extract a symbiote from a human host, at least a tick higher, maybe not all the way there, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's, it's just weird in that interesting way of like, how much more public is this information than what we are being led to believe? So that's intriguing. And I like that.
1: I suspect yeah. that this uh, that the Stargate program is um, and has been circulating around conspiracy theorists mm.
0: um,
1: for uh, quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, we saw that actually in um, Martin way back, uh, what was it, Point of No Return, right? Yep. Um yep. where where he's like, I'm not just interested in outer space, I'm from outer yes. space. Yes. And all the people there. So, you know, you know, he was all in on the whole That's true. I forgot theories about that. and all of that yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, when you take a conspiracy theory or two that then you get yourself a whole ton of money, uh, you may actually find that you can sift through some of that and find where some of those conspiracy yeah. theories might actually have some truth to them um, and navigate that. Um, So there's that. Yeah,
0: I mean, so it's intriguing. It's fun. I, so I did enjoy it. It was just that the, the way that the episode played out, especially in that, that middle spot where it really seemed to hit a bit of a sticky, like flow aspect to it. And then it found its way back. Um, yeah. You know, I had a good time with it, but, you know, it was, it was, it was intriguing. So what about you? What did you think about this so, episode?
1: You know, I think this is a good episode. Uh, like you, I don't think it's a great episode. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a... One of the things that this episode does, um, uh, we see this as... Uh, I, I see this as an example of the evolution of episodic television. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because in this episode, we have a story that continues previous threads, several different previous threads, that um, aren't, you know, if you don't know those threads, if you don't know who Harry Mayborn is, uh, you're going to get lost by some of that stuff here. Right, right. Um, If you don't know who Frank Simmons is, uh, you're going to get lost because, I mean, you'll probably follow it, but you won't get the richness of it. Right. Um, And then the episode concludes, and then you get this, this giant ellipsis at the end, oh, yeah, where you have uh Simmons and the Guo Wool talking and saying, You give me information, I'll give you better accommodations. You know, all of this, you know, negotiation stuff going on there, which you know is, it, it, I mean, this isn't a spoiler, this is going to come back. We're oh, going yeah. to see this again. Um, you know, so it's just a matter of when uh we see that again. Um, so you know, I mean, this is one of those things that that, that really just kind of uh, evolves. One of those moments that evolves, uh, I think, episodic television mm-hmm. and moves it forward. It, it, is it a great episode on its own? No. no. It's really. It, I mean, it's perfectly fine. There's a lot of intrigue. You've got the, the relationship between O'Neill and Mayborn as they search for information and they follow things out and they, you know, go through that process, um, you know, the the story of Conrad is definitely uh, plausible, and eventually you'd figure that somebody like that would try to do something like sure. this. So now we have seen somebody do that, um, you know. So all of that works well, um, you know. And, and you know Conrad, even in this episode, is an interesting character, um, kind of pitiable, um, also despicable, yep, and a jerk. But, uh, you know, he also kind of, I feel kind of bad for him. Um, You know, he's trying to survive. Um, And actually, it was uh, Mendez who was the real problem because, uh, you know, Conrad was like, okay, so I'm okay kidnapping Carter and studying her, but we're not going to kill her. Um, And it was Mendez who's like, do whatever you have to do. Get the information we need. Yeah. Hey, I am fairly well convinced that even if they had succeeded in killing Carter and studying her brain, they would not have actually successfully figured out what they need no, to do. No, right. I'm pretty certain that that was not going to happen. Right. Um, I think that was hopeful uh, science, uh, and I use science really, really loosely mm-hmm. right there, um, <laughs> on the part of those doctors. Um, now... You know, Mendez is grasping at straws there. I totally buy. I totally get that. Um, we do see uh, the Ghoul world very expertly manipulate her, which is, yes. you know, very Ghoully of yes. him. Yes. To do so, which we've there's seen. a lot of good things about this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a whole lot of philosophy that you know, I mean, you know. That, that that comes out of this. There's not any major questions, I don't think, that come from this episode. Yeah, um, I,
0: but they, they flirt with it a little. The, you know, your death could be the, you know, it could save millions, like, you know, as they're filling up the syringe with some knockout liquid. Um.
1: Well, yeah. But uh, not but, really. But the problem is that the science that they are using, even the internal science to this episode uh, is so sketchy that that it doesn't sound like your death could save millions as so much that that I want to kill you because maybe I'll learn something that might actually help somebody maybe possibly and if it does then we can help ma- ma- millions. millions yeah. which to me um yeah no
0: yeah they didn't no. yeah they didn't it's- set up uh they, they hinted at it twice i forgot so there's the one that there was that one where the doctors are like you know your death could save millions and then there was also uh conrad when he comes wheels in and he's all like you know human human advancement isn't done unless people are willing to be kind of silly and take huge risks um and well
1: that that i would agree that that certainly happens yes
0: and, but it, but those are the only two lines in the entire episode that kind of put that philosophical question out there, meaning the, the, the you know, it, it didn't play like an episode that was about that decision at all. It just happened to be uh, right. like a trapping. And what the real episode was about was advancing the nefariousness of the NID and heightening the tension within the universe that uh, there's a ghoul on earth who apparently might be given something that the NID has that Simmons is convinced that this ghoul going to want. Like, what was that? Like, it was more than accommodations. Yeah. He was talking about, like, you know, there's nothing you could give me. I think, I can't remember the exact line, but I think it was basically, there's nothing you can give me. And Simmons is all like, mm, I doubt that. And that was it. It's like, oh, oh, oh yeah." what do you got? Oh, that's great. Yeah.
1: So, one of the things that we also learn here is, um, I mean, <clears throat> uh, Mayborn was in charge of the NID. And the NID definitely did went rogue under Mayborn. Yep. And then Mayborn got, um, you know, arrested and was was kicked out, and we've had all this stuff. And uh, up until this point, then we had uh, Simmons come in uh, as part of the NID and kind of the leader of the NID. And I think, as you mentioned it, um, the NID may not have ever been the friends of the the SGC, but uh, perhaps maybe they're not delving into illegalities.
0: Right. Right, And now
1: we have learned oh, yeah. that, in fact, they are.
0: Yeah, it was it was strongly intoned that as an organization, they were without scruples and acting outside of lawful action. It was strongly insinuated. And when I was being the devil's advocate, it was more along the lines of when I kind of hit the point where I was watching our characters do things that I felt was a little bit out of character i mean it's been it's been the way that they've been evolving but like the the concept of like the sgc under the mountain has been acting like its own little enclave of decision making and it's fine they are our heroes i've said it a hundred times i'll say it a hundred times more like good things happen to heroes this is not normal people stuff we're talking about we're talking about heroes you give heroes the benefit of the doubt they usually they they act in the interest of the whole not just themselves that so like that's right. why but when they were going when when s when the sg1 team was going a little bit sideways and here comes what on the face of it even though I knew it was veneer uh is this outside organization going y'all are out of control I was sitting there like they have a point. Um, But here we are, no true colors, willing to kill uh, uh, military personnel in order to uh, advance their own aims. Uh, No good. Uh, I am no longer on Team Colonel Simmons at all.
1: All right. Um, I think I've said my piece.
0: Yeah, me too. It's all right. This episode's all right. All right.
1: Yeah. then given that I ask you how many chevrons does desperate measures
0: receive Yeah
1: so it's fine.
0: I did like I did like the um series advancing elements and I did like all the normal things that are just becoming normal now which is watching these actors play their characters it's delightful I did like watching John DeLancey play Simmons a little bit more nefariously I did like watching uh, oh gosh, I gotta remember his name now. Oh, uh, scrolling up, scrolling up. Mayborn. Uh, Tom McBeath. Tom McBeath playing Mayborn. Uh, you know, advancing Mayborn a little bit more. He's he's getting a little bit flatter. Uh, you know, Mayborn's getting a little bit flatter as far as character development is concerned. But, um, I I mean, I feel like we're hitting a plateau, but it's an okay plateau. Like it's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of rounding out. Um, it's working out. Uh weird pacing in the middle but it was all right um some fun camera stuff good lighting etc i'm gonna give this one five out of seven like it's all right it's okay um if it came on again i'd watch it but uh would i hunt it out no and did i uh you know did i think it was amazing no i didn't think it was amazing but um it was fun i liked it how about you
1: yeah um you know i'm actually going to agree with you um this is a five out of chevron five out of seven Chevron yes. episode. Uh-huh. This is not the first time I've done chevron, chevron. Five out
0: of Chevron seven episodes.
1: Yes. Um, you know, it it's a solid episode. It's not a great episode. Um it it uh continues the meta story, the meta narrative, uh, in a new way. It's one of the few times so far that we have actually seen uh, this type of ellipsis at the end yeah. of the episode mm-hmm. pushing us forward. Uh, so they've got all these great pieces to it. Um, but, you know, despite all of that, it's not, uh, for me, a stupendous episode. Yeah. But it's really strong. Yeah. So I'll give it a five nice. out of seven.
0: Yep. There you go.
1: All right. So we do have a few um, predictions uh-huh. here. Um, <laughs> I did send out a... Message on Facebook in the middle of the night, um, but we did not get very many bites this week because (laughs) life is happening.
0: Life is life. Christmas time is is coming soon. Um, Don't, you don't know the words.
1: (laughs) In any case, so we do have a prediction here from Julie. Hi, Julie. I think the ending brings the rather slow episode up. Yeah. She says, which is true fives all around. Oh! Ding, 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 wow. ding, ding. Congratulations. Yes, Julie is my wife, and no, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, so that's not insider trading or anything like that. So nope.
0: I don't want to hear it. Nice. Well done, Julie. All
1: right. We have David. Hi, David. Who says, big business bias buffer.
0: Oh, big business, yes. With those he trades says, and the multilateral dealing, whatever.
1: I love this episode," he says. "All right, it has everything: Russians, Mayborn, Aguilworld, conspiracies, the NID, Q, ninjas, yeah. and great dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Really, though, this is a fun episode with setups for plot points and ideas that will last the entire run of the series. Very true. Depending nice. on your point of view, also very true. If you want to hear my point of view on that? Listen to episode two of the Other Side of the Gate hey! the podcast. Nice. Except plug. you rent, you don't listen to it.
0: Nah, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> no.
1: yeah. So, you know, that, that would be uh, David's way of saying, join the Patreon.
0: Yep, that's right.
1: Sorry. Anyway, he predicts six chevrons from Zach and Brent both. Ah, uh, very close. Very close. Very close. Very close. And we have one more. Okay. This is from JD. Hi, JD. JD says, I'm not going to let autocorrect steal my victory away from me this time. ha ha ha.
0: You gotta watch that autocorrect. It's I sneaky. Approve.
1: Just so you know, JD, autocorrect can attack emails too. Not that it yes. has. I don't know. I haven't read your email yet, but okay. There you go. Yes, he says. This is another great episode that delves more into Brent's favorite superior officer, and said, <laughs> and said officer being a villain. Perhaps the SG One team, being the heroes of great renown that they are, knew deep down not to follow the orders of a bad guy. Yep. I'll personally give this episode a five. Uh Uh-huh. It's good. A lot of good moments, not limited to the idea of what we are willing to give up to live longer, but it feels slow for me. Yes. JD, I agree with you 100% on that
0: one. Yep, yep.
1: I think Zach will give it a five and a half for essentially the same reason, but he gives halfsies.
0: Zach does give
1: halfsies. I do occasionally. (laughs) I think Brent will give it a six out of uh, Uh seven Uh Uh for defending Colonel Q. Uh, Uh,
0: You know, I did kind of start getting into it, didn't I? I mean, I I ended up falling into the side of what probably most people are. Whereas, like, you know, don't shoot, don't shoot people.
1: Don't shoot anybody in the back. It's not
0: good. I mean, like, we could just stop at don't shoot people. I think that we can pretty much kind of stop there, and most of the time we're going to be fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. But no, super close. But I mean, I think we're all kind of in the same ballpark of like, yeah, it's all right. It's
1: all right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, JD, you got pretty darn close to us. Sure did. Um, Julie got right A little got it right bit higher on. than what we did, but we actually would have agreed with you. If you had gone with your prediction, you know, you would have got it nailed. Hey. Perfect. It's all good. Hey, it's all good. Half the fun is
0: trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, anyway, carrying on.
1: Yep. All right. So uh, those are our predictions this week. Like I said, we had a a lighter uh, array of that this week, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Next week, we will delve into the 100th episode. I know. And now, I can't believe it.
0: Here we are. Yeah.
1: It is now my chance to give you the title of the 100th episode and invite you to predict to all of our listeners what you think this episode is all about.
0: Oh, okay. Are you ready? No, but let's do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. The name of
1: next week's episode, Uh the 100th episode of Stargate SG-1, is entitled Wormhole Extreme, worm. and I ask you, what is wormhole extreme
0: all wormhole about? Wormhole extra oh my gosh! And is it? Is it suitable for television? Okay, all right. Um, okay, worm, gosh, wormhole extreme. All right. <clears throat> Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate and oh no, what is normally a completely obnoxious, highly screeching, why do they continue to use that scene from the 1994 movie in every single one of those transition shots? Why don't they just bother to redo the audio on it to get that shrill noise out of it? For crying out loud, they travel through the gate and they are in the middle of what can only be described as a roller coaster ride, which is unusual because clearly you can see from that one scene in the nineteen ninety four was it ninety four whatever nineteen whatever movie that it is indeed a roller coaster by itself. But this one, this one, friends, takes it to a whole new level. You will climb thirteen hundred feet into the air and enter into a seventy five degree dive before crashing into a lagoon of near Lake Erie, because I'm talking about Cedar Point, and then you go rolling around and roaring, and you get to see these amazing scenes from all your favorite movies, including Fried Green Tomatoes and Magnolia, and you come blowing out to the other side into an enormous scene, a vista, that is unlike any that you've ever seen, surveying the magnificence of Ohio, and you go rolling around into another corkscrew, which is incredibly so many g's get pulled that you just black out and next thing you know you're crawling into the gate the gate thing whatever where you get into the roller coaster to begin with you get, and you, the ride is over little did you know that you actually endured a good 60 seconds of ride with hills and twists and thrills that you just didn't see because you just blacked out and whatever it's, it's, it's the most extreme wormhole experience ever And then they find themselves in a strange new world. Join us next time for Stargate SG-1's 100th episode, Wormhole Extreme! How? How'd I do?
1: (laughs) Well... um, Pretty sure
0: the entire neighborhood
1: heard me on that one. (laughs) So... That you you certainly nailed the extreme. Um, okay. And, and, and the wormhole. Um, uh-huh. shall we watch the promo that David so kindly made of us yes. for us? Yeah. Let's let's do it. Alright, All right. here we go. I'm hitting play now. Has the
0: prop show until happened yet? Oh man, he's gonna freak. Excuse me? Do you know where I can find a Martin Lloyd? It's oh, one the of the right. big rigs around here. <laughs> Next time on Stargate SG One Prepare for an extreme what? adventure. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wait, it's a show? Very <gasps> new sci fi series. Starring Nick Marlowe as the Rod, Colonel Danny. As a matter of fact, it does say Colonel on my uniform. Yes! (laughs) Hey, it's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) lost <laughs> <laughs> locker as the brilliant Major Stacy Monroe. The positronic field emitters are offline, but I can compensate by generating a feedback loop.
1: Raymond Gunn has Dr. Levant. Damn it, Colonel. Just because they're aliens and their skulls are transparent
0: doesn't mean that they don't have rights. <laughs> 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 oh, this is so and good. Using Douglas Anders as Grill, the Robot. Wormhole Extreme. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Only on. What? That was awful. We have to do it again. Check the gate. We are moving on. Print everything. Nice Nice job, people. Good. Wait a minute. That's Peter DeLouise. Yes, it was. Oh my gosh. And it was Martin. Yes, it was. Oh my gosh. And they're going to, is this episode going to be about, wow. It's going to be about a, oh, a sci-fi show that is about the Stargate. Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm looking forward to this one a lot. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But I didn't see a roller coaster in there, but I did see a lot of action.
1: There, there, there wasn't a roller coaster. I'll, I'll spoil that one for you. No roller coaster. Gotcha.
0: Will I black out about two thirds of the way through?
1: Um, well, I suppose that depends on how much uh, festive beverageing you do.
0: Oh, that's true. It will be. Uh, it will be Christmas time. So, yeah. There we go. All right. Super excited. Yeah. Episode one hundred. Episode one hundred wormhole extreme. Wormhole extreme. Wow. Awesome. Special thank you to David for yes! producing that
1: promo. Holy that was cow!
0: Awesome. Yes, uh, it was.
1: You know, it was uh, a little bit uh, longer than normal, but it would need it to be for the sake of what we we're doing. Oh, and, my gosh. Uh, yeah. So much
0: fun. So, so much fun. Oh, I'm so looking forward to that one.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it I'm looking forward. To it. I'm, I'm looking forward, especially to hearing your reactions on this episode. <laughs> um,
0: I you imagine know. probably most are. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so uh, tell us what you think about uh, this episode, Desperate Measures. Uh, some of you have, but more of you can. Yes, um, you please can do. You can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail com. Follow us on Twitter at stargate walking. Of course, there's the Facebook Walking Through the Stargate page and group. Uh, we've got our new website wtts.space, dot space yep. slash walking through the stargate. All of those things. Um, Happy holidays to everyone who's out there right now. Um, And we will join you next time for our episode 100 on Wormhole Extreme. And until then, I say, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time.
0: Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.